Hi, I'm Laura Lira, the West Shore Campus Pastor of Coastline Church in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. I hope you enjoy this message. talking with all of you today. I wasn't sure when that would be over, so I came up a little bit early. Thank you so much for having me here. Um, As Pastor Laura said, my name is Emily Lowe. I know lots of you. Um, I have my little stool here. Uh, As she said, I am very pregnant, (laughs) Um, and so if I run out of breath, don't worry. I'll catch it. I'll be fine. Emma's here. She can be my OB. Um, And you know what? I know there are women in the world who run marathons at 37 weeks. I am not one of those women, (laughs) but I am here and I'm so excited to share with you. Um, You know, I've been working at this campus for just over a year now since I came back from maternity leave. My husband and I, why don't you wave, ready? Brett, his name is Brett, I call him Ready. Uh, You know, we've been going to this church for about 10 years together and been married for about five. Um, I've been working at Coastline West Shore, yeah, or Coastline Church actually for about five years. And before I was here with Pastor Adam, I was actually covering for Laura's maternity leave when she had her last baby. And then I was actually here um, when we were called GT West Hills. Do you guys remember those days? Anyone remember those days? Yeah, with Pastor Jordan and Amy. And I'm just so thankful for all of you. You know, I, as, as Laura was saying, I get to um, help with next steps. I get to, one of the things I get to do is I get to run Alpha, um, or I have in the past run Alpha. And, you know, when you work at a church, Pastor Adam would always say this, you're kind of paid to be a Christian. It's kind of this funny thing. Um, you're, you know, you're paid to do these things that we're teaching you to do and we're helping you do. But when I think of, you know, when I look out at all of you and I look at your stories, um, I, I know many of your stories and even just little pictures of them, I am encouraged in my faith. I know that God is so real because I have seen and I have heard and I have watched God touch your lives. And so I'm just so thankful for this time to be sharing with you. You know, we're going to continue to be here when we have our baby, but it'll obviously look a little different. Um, And so I'm just so thankful for our campus pastors. How blessed are we to have Pastor Laura and James here? Like, honestly, I know... We're still walking through this transition. I've worked with lots of our campus pastors, and you guys, they are the real deal. And I've known them for a long time. Um, I remember watching from afar when I lived in Kelowna, and you guys started dating, and I just lived vicariously through Lucas and what he was doing. And they are incredible. They love you so much. They are all in. They are here to serve you. I just really, I just really believe this is such an incredible season with our church and with our campus. And so it's going to be good. I'm excited. Um, You know, we're in a series called An Unexpected Love Story. And this is really a series on the book of Ruth. Um, You know, last week, our lead pastor, Pastor Andy, was here to kickstart our series. And so we're talking a little bit about relationships, but I wouldn't say this is your average, like, February love month series, right? We're going to touch on some relationships, touch on marriage. Uh, Pastor Andy has a really great message um, coming up on singleness. I'm really excited for all of us to hear it. Um, So we'll talk about that a little bit, but really this is a book, or sorry, this is a series on the book of Ruth. And he introduced this last week. You know, Ruth is a short book. It's a bridge between the two major parts of Israel's covenant history. It's a short book between the books of Judges and 1 Samuel. And so this is a time where there was no king, but Judges ruled, obviously. Um, It's in the end of Judges, right before Ruth starts, it says, In those days, everyone did as they saw fit. And we talked about that last week. 
you know, what I think is fit might be different than what you might think is fit, right? Everyone did what they thought was best. And so this was a time with a lot of sin, a lot of disorder. And, and so this is kind of our setting for the story. And really, this is the story of an ordinary family, a very, very average ordinary family that lived in Bethlehem. Then they left Bethlehem, which was God's land, and they moved to a place called Moab. And Pastor Andy talked about that last week. And so our characters at the beginning of this book are Naomi and her husband, Elimelech. Practice that. Nailed it. Um, you know, Naomi and her husband, Elimelech. And the chapter one last week, it starts with a lot of heartbreak. It starts with a lot of loss. You know, this family, they move from Bethlehem because there is a famine in Bethlehem. They leave God's land and they go to Moab, which God had said, do not go there. Do not go to that place. But they left, right? And Pastor Andy talked about this concept. What do we do in difficult situations? Do we trust God and stay where he wants us, even if it doesn't look good? Or do we go to Moab? Do we choose money? Do we choose what is easy? Do we choose what feels right immediately and give up what is right in the long run? That is such a hard decision to make, right? And that's what he talked about. And, and what happens in Moab? Well, her two sons, Naomi has two sons. Um, they marry Moabite women. Both her sons die and her husband dies. And so Naomi is left with nothing. This story that I'm about to get into starts with three widows. Just light, easy breezy stuff to talk about. Three widows, right? And so what happens is Naomi tells her daughters to leave. Her daughters-in-law, she says, just leave. I have nothing for you. Uh, Ruth, or sorry, yeah, she even, she even says to them, you know, even if I could have more children, they would be too young for you. Like, I have nothing for you. We know that being a widow would be so difficult at any time, especially in this time. And one of Naomi's daughters-in-law, her name is Ruth. She's our hero. And this is what she says to Naomi. She says, where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. And that's what she says to her. And so Ruth and Naomi, these two return to Bethlehem. You know, the famine is over. They return back to God's place, to God's land. They are homeless. They are hopeless. They are hurting. But they return back. There's this returning back to God, to returning back to his word and to his promise. And I want to say to you today, when you turn away from Moab, you'll find God's blessing in Bethlehem. When you turn away from sin, you'll find God's blessing. And we're going to talk about that today. And so chapter one comes to an end and we're turning the page. And today we're in a new chapter. And I know that might sound so cheesy, but I just really believe that for some of you, we can turn the page today. We can turn the page. The last verse of Ruth 1, verse 22, it says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. And I just love that it's like something new was happening. Something new was beginning. They were turning the page in their story, and I believe that for us today. And so we're going to get into chapter two of Ruth, and so I just want to pray for us. I want to get ready, uh, and I just believe it's going to be good. I'm already feeling so encouraged today. I got to say, it's been such a great service already, so let's pray. So God, we just thank you for your love. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it can come and it can change our lives. And God, we're not talking about people who have no relevance to us. We are talking about your truth, your word. And so we say, Lord, would you come? Would you come and bring revelation? Would you come and bring us peace? God, whatever we need, could you bring it today? God, we just pray for my physical strength, for my lungs, Lord. We pray all these things in your name. We love you, God. Amen. 
Amen. Um, so I'm pretty chatty, and so you can be chatty back to me. Feel free to say amen or mm, that's good. I don't know. That's your choice. But just make sure you say something back because I, I just need it. So um, we're going to get into chapter 2 of Ruth. And so this is how chapter 2 of Ruth starts. It says this. It says, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Everyone say Boaz. Boaz. That's a good name. You know, there's this description about Boaz. He's this man of standing. Not necessarily saying he was a strong man, like, fit. well, maybe he was. I don't know. But that's not, I don't think, what the Bible's saying here, right? Not necessarily saying he had some nice arms. He had a good gym regimen, right? He's a man of standing. This idea that he has this internal character, this internal integrity, this is also a way of saying that he was a man of wealth, a man of propriety. He had land, and we'll discover why that's important later. A man of standing is a lot better than a man of sitting. Amen? This is not someone who is complacent or passive. This is a man who had integrity and character. And so there's this introduction to this. We don't know how this is going to play out yet, but we do know that Naomi had this relative named Boaz. And the story goes on. It says, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. And then it says, So Ruth went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. So again, these two women are widows. They've just returned to a new place. And they are looking for some way to get by, some sort of provision. Um, you know, my, th this story has brought up a lot of family memories because my grandma is actually a widow. Um, she was actually a widow at the age of like 26 or 27. She was married to um, a POC pastor. His name was John Beidel. Um, you know, actually worked to help my, my grandpa get through Bible college. Just this incredible woman. And when my aunt and my mom were very young, like younger than two years old, he um, had taken a job as a lead pastor in Toronto, and right before that happened, he went on a hunting trip with some other pastors and passed away. They actually went, um, I think they were on a float plane, and one of them crashed. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure of, like, how it all happened, but this idea of my grandma being a widow was, like, just very integral in my family, and there was a lot of effects of it. There was a lot of really difficult parts of it for, you know, my mom and for my aunt. It was very, very difficult. But she looked for ways to find provision. She started getting a job. This was like in the 60s. And so I just have this heart for Ruth going out, trying to find provision in a place that would not have provided her with much, right? I just have this heart for her because I feel like this was kind of this DNA in my family. You know, Ruth had nothing. They had gone from Bethlehem. They had just come back. And Ruth was looking for a way, for any way to care for her and her mother-in-law. And so she goes to glean behind the harvesters. And we're going to get into some history here. Who likes history? Three of you. Great. That's awesome. Great. So we're going to get into some history. And so we see this model of gleaning earlier in the New Testament in Leviticus. We're ready to party because we're going to talk about Leviticus. You know, God is speaking at this time in Leviticus to Moses. He's giving his people his laws and his guidance, right? I'm so thankful for the guidance of God. And this is what it says in Leviticus 19.9. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. 
And so there was this model set up by God earlier in the Old Testament in Leviticus that harvesters were not meant to pick every little part of their harvest, right? They were meant to leave the leftovers. This was a small way, you know, there was no soup kitchen, there was no food bank. This was a small way in which God's people were told by God to care for those with nothing. So there's this Old Testament model, there's this older model that Ruth is looking to, and she may have known this because of Naomi, because Naomi grew up in Bethlehem. But I just love that Ruth is a Moabite. She's a Moabite. She's a foreigner. We're going to continue to talk about that. And she's looking to the God of Israel for help. She's looking to the God of Israel for this model for help. And I just love this. There's this turning away that Ruth has. She's turning away from the past, turning away from sin, and she's looking to the God of Israel for help. Amen? And I just love that model. And so she decides, okay, I'm going to go into a field. I'm going to pick up all the leftovers, and maybe that will be enough to get by. And so this is what happens. We don't know which field she's choosing, but wait, let us see which field she chooses. So Ruth, uh, Ruth 2, verse 3, it says, So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. Hmm, interesting. I say that a lot, and my son started to go, hmm, now. And so we say that in my family. You know, Let's just stop here for a second. She just so happens to come across Boaz. We already know the history of this, right? The author has given us some history that Boaz is a relative of Naomi. And little spoiler alert, I don't want to talk about this too much because we'll get into the details of this in future weeks, although you have your Bible in front of you. You could, you could continue to read. It's an old book. Um, but we talk about this in future weeks, but the fact that Boaz was related to Naomi and Ruth provides this incredible protection, this incredible provision for them in the future. And Ruth was unaware of the significance. This was a chance encounter about to be described. She just so happens to come across this man, this man of standing, remember. This man who is probably the only person who has the ability to make a large change in the lives of these desperate women. And this is what we see in the book of Ruth. There are no burning bushes. There's no water to wine. There's no voice coming from heaven. There's no epic battles. We don't see supernatural miracles in this book of the Bible, but we do see God's supernatural providence. And the providence of God is when God uses natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural plans. Natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural plans. You know, we even see this in the New Testament. Romans 8.28, it says, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's the supernatural providence of God, right? Again, it's not burning bushes. It's not Moses, um, you know, parting the seas. It's still God moving, Right? That purpose, the, per- the, you know, the origins of that word, you know, consecrated, will, opportunity. The Passion Translation says it this way. It says, so we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. And this is not me saying like, there you go. There's the message. Everything will be good. Whatever you're going through, it's all good. Don't worry. You know, that's not my heart for you. My heart is is so much bigger than that. I hope you can hear it. But the Bible is saying something really important here. It's saying that believers can wait patiently for God's ultimate redemption according to his purpose 
Because God can use natural circumstances to bring about his purpose. Amen? We can believe that. We see it in Ruth. And if we believe that the Bible is real and applies to us, we can believe that what's happening in Ruth can apply to us. And so how do we see this? How do we see this in this book? How do we see God's providence play out? The first thing that we see is, you know, we see this in Ruth and we can see this in our own lives, is that God hears our prayers in the midst of confusion and doubt. This can feel so simple. It's like the simplest thing ever. But I think some of you need to be reminded of that today. That God hears our prayers in the midst of confusion and doubt. So let's look at and see how this just so happened play out. How did, how did Ruth and Boaz come together? Well, when we look back in chapter 1, we actually see Naomi praise to God for Ruth. We see this. And, you know, this is something I'll just touch on for a moment here. But, again, you know, Naomi, the mother-in-law, she was asking for Ruth to leave. She's saying, go. I have nothing for you. Just leave. I don't have sons that I could give you. There's nothing here for you. Remember, her, her husband, her two sons had just died. And this is what she says to Ruth. She says, go back to your mother's homes. And may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. She's saying, may the Lord show you kindness. May he bring you a husband. Provision, right? Security. She's praying for Ruth here. When you pray, God listens. He cares for you. We're seeing the results of Naomi's prayers right here in Ruth 2. You know, we don't always see this play out in the way that would be comfortable or the way that we want it. But we hear it. He hears your prayers and he prays for you. And I just, I want us to remember the state of Naomi at this time, right? She's not preaching a word. She's not, you know, getting up early and drinking her coffee and has her perfect creamer and opening her Bible, right? She's not in a great state, right? Her husband and her sons have just died. And right after this prayer, that this blessing that she gives to Ruth, you know, someone says, oh, is that Naomi? She's back. And she says, don't even call me Naomi. Call me Mara. And that means bitter. She says, the Lord has made my life bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord brought me, brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer? This doesn't really sound like someone who necessarily believes and is walking out um, in, you know, thriving or believing in the providence of God. But she does pray for Ruth. She prays a blessing over Ruth. And we see the results of this, right? God hears your prayers. He hears your prayers when you're confused or when you're doubting or when you're hurting or when you don't even fully believe them. But he does hear them, so don't stop praying. He hears them. You know, we can pray for God's just so happens to show up, right? This has happened in my own life. I remember feeling weepy and I'm obviously getting ready for a baby. So I've been thinking back on the last time that I had a baby being postpartum and those first, that first week was so hard. It was so, so hard. I remember just being like, why did we do this? Like, honestly, and it's so silly to say that, but my husband and I crying in the hospital saying, why did we do this? It was so, so hard. And I rem I'm just being real now. <laughs> yeah. And I just remember this moment in his nursery, and I can just see it. And I just remember... Like feeding was so hard, everything was so hard, and my husband went out to get some groceries or something for like a half an hour, and I was just alone with my son. And I just remember like the sun shining through and just praying to God and saying, God, like, please help me. And I just remember being filled, like the sun coming up, filling my son's room, and just remember feeling like, oh, I love you so much, Emily, you can do this. Like, I love him so much, you're gonna be okay. And it was such a simple moment. It was such a simple moment, but it was like God, his providence just coming into my life and just showing up. 
And I just remember that moment in the hard times. I said, oh, yeah, you told me you could, I could do this, God, and so I'm going to believe it, right? That's, how, that's what God does in our lives. I remember being 18 in my bedroom in Kelowna and not really sure what my faith looked like. And I just remember opening my Bible and just believing, like, oh, God, if you're real, could you just speak to me? And he just spoke to me through my Bible. It wasn't at a camp. It wasn't in a church service. It was just in my bedroom. And that's what God does, right? He shows up. You can pray for your family, and you can believe that change will happen. You can pray for your future spouse, like Naomi does, and God will answer. You can pray for your children's future spouses. You know, these are just my stories. I know that you probably have so many, so many coincidences. But let's give those to God, because God is working in our lives. That's the first way that we see God's providence in this book. You know, and the second way that we can see God's providence, you know, his supernatural power play out in our lives is that God can intercede for us. He can intervene for us. So let's continue to see what happens in verse 4 of Ruth 2. So in Ruth 2, verse 4 to 7, it says, While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked, asked his foreman, who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, she is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvester. She's been hard at work ever since. So again, while he's just serving God, Boaz just so happens to notice Ruth. You know, God is clearly bringing these people together. He's clearly intervening. He's clearly intercepting these two people. And, and you know, God, is, sorry, Boaz is just living out his mission, living out his ministry, and he just so happens to notice Ruth. And then we see them interact with each other. And I know I'm reading a lot of scripture, but stick with me. I have a couple more here. So uh, Ruth 2, verse 8 to 12, this is what it says. And we get to see the results of these prayers of God's providence here. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Verse 9, it says, I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly. Another translation says not to touch you. And when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. In verse 10, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness? She asked, I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. Verse 12, may the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. Look at that, hey? Look at how God brought those people together. This woman with nothing. She's being noticed by this man of standing through her work, through the providence of God. He sees her loyalty to God, right? He sees all these incredible qualities in her. He sees her faithfulness, her hard work, the way she's honoring God morally. At this time, there wouldn't have been a lot of options for widows, right? This is incredible. This is incredible to see this happen. And I love even this model that we could even, you know, look for a spouse with these kind of qualities. Someone who is loyal to God, faithful, working hard, you know. Boaz notices these incredible qualities in Ruth. Ruth rejected a spirit of entitlement. She rejected a spirit of laziness. And her zeal gives her favor in Boaz's sight. When you experience coincidences, don't discount them. 
don't discount them. Don't say, well, that's interesting. I was praying about that. And then that person came into my life. But I guess that's just a coincidence, right? No, that's God. That's God moving in your life. And he speaks to us in this way. And he does speak to us in the big ways. Of course, I believe that. He can speak to you in a worship service. He can speak to you, you know, when all of these distractions are gone. But I think more often, this is how God speaks to us. He speaks to us in the little moments. He speaks to us when we're at home doing the dishes. Or when you're at school or when you're interacting with your friends. He answers our prayers. You know, it's often not an audible voice. But it's, it is God moving in our lives, interceding, bringing things together. And so, you know, we've seen you know, God can answer our prayers. That's how he shows his providence in, our, in the midst of our doubt and our fears. You know, he can intercede for us. And the last thing that God really does, I think, in this story and in our lives is God can look at our deficits and he sees assets. He sees assets. I love what Ruth says in verse 10. She says, I am a foreigner. And he says, yes, I know. Yes, I know, but I have also seen what you have done for your mother-in-law. Her culture and her background should have caused him to look away, especially a man of standing in this time. But it was her character and her hard work and her faithfulness to the God of Israel that caused Boaz to notice her. And really, her past should have discounted her. We talked about this a little bit last week, but she was a Moabite. And Pastor Andy talked about how, you know, she was from this place called Moab, which the origins of it came out of incest, right? They worshipped a god that actually, you know, wanted, uh, demanded evil children's sacrifices. She was a widow. She wasn't a virgin. She was homeless. She was destitute. She came with some baggage in the form of a grumpy mother-in-law, right? She had a lot that was not going for her. But Boaz, just like God saw her deficits and actually saw them as an asset. Saw, I see what you've done. I see how far you've come. Don't let your past talk you out of God's plan for your future church. Don't let your past talk you out of God's plan. Boaz had wealth, but no wife. Ruth had poverty and no husband. And they demonstrate their commitment to God by their lives. And, and for such people, God loves to take deficits and he loves to turn them into assets, right? I spent a lot of time in my life, you know, before I really started serving, before I taken my, you know, started taking my faith seriously, just ignoring God. I can remember so many intentional moments where he said, go talk to that person. Go show that person love. And I didn't. And I think that I could have looked at that and said, well, God, there were so many chances that I missed out on, which I did. Right? But God saw my insecurities. He saw my past. He saw my experiences, my history, my family history, and he turned them into assets right? God in his providence can turn the page in our lives. Maybe you've seen that play out. Maybe even, you know, in tangible ways, even like Ruth and Boaz in your marriage. Maybe you've seen God bring you together with someone else, God's providence. I know I found that in my own life, right? I wasn't expecting the person that I married. I'm so, so thankful for him. Maybe you need to pray to believe and look at your coincidences. Give God the glory. Maybe you're still waiting for God to show up. But really, we have to remember where we started here today. When we turn away from Moab, we can find God's blessing in Bethlehem. When we turn away from sin, turn towards faithfulness. Say, God, what do you want to do? God, this is all that I have. Take my character. Take my integrity. Make it better, Jesus. This is all that I have. What do you want to do? How can God turn the page today? We get to see the result of Ruth's faithfulness here. So what could be the result of yours? How can you choose faithfulness over bitterness today? 
How can God turn the page? You know, if you're feeling hurt or stuck, I really just believe that God can turn the page. If you're caught in addiction, I believe that God can turn the page. If you're losing hope in God, if you're battling depression or anxiety, I believe that God can turn the page today. If your family is struggling, if you feel like, God, can you please intercede? Can I just say to you, God can intercede. He can intercede. Whatever you're going through, God hears your prayers, right? He hears your prayers. He shows up with his providential power. We are his children. We are not victims of our circumstances. We can believe that God wants to move. So I just want to pray for you, some of you today. Pray for those of you who need a touch like this. You know, we're going to get more into uh, the details of how these people come together, right? It all points back to Jesus. That's the spoiler alert of Ruth. We're going to get into this a little bit more, but I just really feel like right here, we can trust and know that if God can intervene there, he can intervene here. Amen. If God can, you know, use his coincidences to bring people together that needed each other, that needed each other. And if he can look at someone's past and see an asset, he can do that in our own lives today. So let's pray right now. Let's pray and believe that today. So God, I just thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that it doesn't fall on deaf ears, God. Lord, you are moving in this place right now. You are moving in this place. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone who is really struggling, who is feeling like they have nothing. You know, whether it's their experience or whether their past or whether they're feeling like you have no idea what I've done. You have no idea how could God use me, God. I just pray today that you would move in their lives right now, God. That just like you turn the page in the, in the story of this bitter widow, God, as you turn the page in this person who just went out to look for some small provision for some food, as you turn the page for someone who was just doing his work, you can turn the page in our own lives, God. I pray that we would, we would stand faithful today, God. We would say, I'm turning away from sin. I'm turning away from that action because God has more for me. He sees my past and he looks at me and he says, you are an asset to me. I'm going to do something with you in the kingdom. And so, Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, that you take our deficits and you just do so much more with them, God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for who you are, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name. God, I even, I even just think of the person who maybe doesn't know you. God, the person who is just here visiting or, or is just kind of being introduced to this faith thing, God, I just pray, Lord, that they would know that there is a word for them, Jesus, that you died for them. You died for them to live in victory with you. You died for them to be in relationship with you, and they can have that today, God. So stir in their hearts right now, God, what that would look like. God, I pray that they would turn away from sin, turn away from doubt, turn away from insecurities and say, I am walking in head first, strong, knowing that you are everything, Jesus. And so we love you and we thank you, God. We pray all these things in your good name, God. You're so good. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you stand with me?